0: Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Is it okay to be old school? I hope I didn't offend anybody. That's the way I grew up. That's, that's, my, that's my roots. A lot of times it will slip out if you, if you catch me with my guard down. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah? I know I am. I think I told you last time I was up here that there was, an, there was a gentleman in my church. He's now gone on to receive his reward that... Uh, You ask him how he was doing and he would always say, well, I'm blessed. I'm looking at this side of the roses. Some of y'all will get that on the way home. It's good to be alive. It's good to be alive and in the house of the Lord. Before we get started, I have a video that the, the media team is preparing. Isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord? It's good. If I could find a better life out there, Some of y'all know about out there. If I could find a better life, I'd be living it. There is no buzz, there's no high, there's no thrill that compares to the life-changing transcendent joy and peace that comes through a supernatural encounter with the presence of God. I truly believe that with all my heart. If the life I was living, if that could do it for me, I'd still be living it. There's pleasure for a season. But man, that hangover. Literal and figurative, metaphorical. Man, it's rough. The Lord adds a blessing with no sorrow. God is good. Amen? Amen. I don't want to I don't want to preach like two or three different sermons. I already have enough lined up in my notes. Media team, are y'all ready? Yeah? All right, let's watch this video clip real quick. Now, on Super Bowl Sunday, <laughs> the reason I led with that clip is because we're going to be talking about giving. Nobody likes to hear messages about giving, but compared to what it could be, I'm not going to preach at you all about the idolatry of sports in America. So somebody say amen. amen. It's all about managing expectations. We're, you got it easy now. You're only going to have to hear about giving. Yeah? How is, why is that? Why do we have such an aversion in the church to hearing messages about giving? That's one of the things I want to talk about today. I have a verse. Oh, and uh, well, we'll read this and then we'll go to the next slide. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Now go to that next slide. Now when I was preparing these notes, nope, go back one, the title slide, yeah. When I was preparing these, you know, I was just gonna do the same, you know, just the same regular font and everything, but I tried to make this as happy as possible. I don't know if it looks happy to y'all, but like when we're talking about giving, we got to do everything we can to keep people happy or they're not going to come back, right? And uh, Pastor Chad, when he asked me to preach, he doesn't have any idea what I'm talking about. So if you get mad, get mad at me. and You can you can send your hate mail to sean.madeupaccount at hatemail.com. But God loves a cheerful giver. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Is that all right? All right. God, we thank you for what you've already done in this place. We thank you for the gift of your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, nothing is more valuable than being in your presence. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that is possible because of the blood sacrifice that was made on Calvary. We thank you that we are now reconciled and justified in your sight, that now we are qualified as candidates to receive The Spirit of Almighty God to live in and through us. We thank you for the worship that we've heard and we've participated in. And God, we thank you for the word that you have prepared for us. Let us be good hearers. Let us hear what you're trying to say to this church collectively and to each of us as individuals. Let the seed of the word of God be planted down deep in our heart. Let it take root. Let it grow up and thrive and bear many generations of fruit. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for everything. And it's in your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. All right, so let's get into this. As I said, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions in church today about what the Bible actually has to say about giving. Would you agree or disagree with that? You agree? How many of you agree? How many of you disagree? How many of you aren't going to raise your hand no matter what I say? (laughs) And, you know, a few weeks ago, I had the privilege, and I do consider it a great privilege, of being able to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus' whole point of coming. All four Gospels recorded. It's kind of important. We should pay attention. And, you know, one of the things I pointed out there is that I think a lot of times in our modern church, we shy away from that topic because people have been spooked by it there's been as as the old timers would say when I was coming up there's been a lot of mess involved in it there's been a lot of craziness a lot of abuse a lot of false teaching misteaching a lot of misunderstanding a lot of abuse and there's a ditch on both sides of the road yeah there's there's a way to err on both sides what our, what our job is, our task as students of the word, as disciples and followers of Yeshua, our Messiah, is to walk in the middle. To walk in balance, not, not middle like, yeah, you understand what I'm saying. Walk in balance. Seek the whole counsel of the word of God. Don't just take one or two verses isolated and, and make an entire doctrine and movement around it. But our job is to walk in balance. And if it's in the word of God, I want it. If it's not, I'm not much interested. You know, I can participate in church traditions. You know, I can play the game. I've been this thing a long time. I was raised a preacher's kid. Many of you know my story. You know, in my 20s, I kind of shipwrecked for a little bit. By the grace of God, my 30s looked a little bit different, and here I am dealing with midlife crisis at age 40. (laughs) But I understand there's a ditch on both sides of the road. And I understand that there are things that we add to it in our understanding, in our traditions, and that's fine. As long as we don't elevate them to the same level as the word of God. That was Jesus' whole complaints, complaint with the religious leaders of his day. They had substituted their own instructions for the instructions of God. That's a whole, that's a whole other rabbit trail I'm not going to get down today. Let's, let's dive into this. First one, here's a misconception. See if you can relate to any of these. I can use God as my personal ATM and or lottery. Now, this is on one ditch. We're going to get into the other ditch in a second. But there's, you know, y'all ever heard of the prosperity gospel? And am I exaggerating that this is kind of an attitude that a lot of that vibe carries. I am going to command God. I'm going to speak things into existence. I am going to use God no matter how I live my life, no matter how I spend my money. God is obligated to give me $1,000 in my bank account tomorrow. Have, has any, can anybody, am I talking to myself, does anybody understand that, what I'm talking about? So that's out there. That's one misconception that we can just like use God to get whatever we want, anytime we want. The second one, I'm going to go to hell if I don't pay my tithes. Has anybody heard that one? Now, you know, you ask me, you ask me what I think. Sean, am I gonna go to hell if I don't pay my tithe? I'm like, I don't know, man. Am I gonna go to hell if I don't go to church? You know, it's like we want a yes or no answer, but kind of like I said last time, if everything is a divorce issue, that's not a relationship. So if you don't pay your tithes, maybe. I don't know. That's between you and God. Where's your heart? But as a blanket statement, I do not think that if you fail to pay your tithes, that you are going to hell. And I'm I'm pretty sure I uh, speak for the leadership of this house on that. Number three, all the church cares about is my money. Now, I went to Chili's last night after the basketball tournament. They were too busy, so I said, nope, not waiting 30 minutes. And I turned around and walked over to Steak and Shake. Now, when I walked into both of those restaurants, I didn't say, all they care about is my money. They're just here for my money. Yet we bring that attitude to church. These lights don't, I mean, these light bills don't pay themselves. Pastor Chad, I know him personally. I'm, I'm friends with your pastor. He drops what he's doing and answers phone calls and texts. I know that Rachel does the same thing. You think that they're motivated by money? You think that all of ministry is motivated by money? I, I, try getting in this line of work. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got some, uh, I've got some information for you that can come by hard-won experience. You don't get in this line of work for money. All the church cares about is my money. Can you all relate to that one? Has, has anybody heard that? What's number four? God doesn't care if I give tithes and offerings as long as I just love. Now, love is a big subject in our culture today. It's a big word. It's loaded. Everybody has their own definition, right? Everybody has their own definition of what it means to love, and this can get into a lot of areas that I'm going to have to not get into. But let's just suffice it to say, if, if our definition of love does not match the Bible's definition, perhaps we should consider changing ours. If we don't love as described and outlined by the Bible, which is God's revealed will, his word, every scripture is God-breathed, if our definition of love doesn't match his, then maybe we have a wrong idea of love. Can anybody help me? Like, like I'm having trouble with the lights and everything. Where's, where's my crowd at? Are y'all with me? Have I already lost you or are you still hung up on the Super Bowl? <laughs> I told you, anytime you want, I can, I can play that video again. We'll talk about sports in America. <laughs> Number five, tithing and giving was, quote, unquote, done away with under the new covenant. And I use air quotes around both of those terms because there's a lot of misunderstanding in the church today about what, what that really means. But I think that these are some misconceptions that hopefully today I can help clear up and show you from the word. Again, I am, I'm a word freak. I really am. I'm a big fan of truth. And, you know, opinions are great. I have two or three of them every day, at least. Often on the same subject. And like I tell Kristen, maybe you can have your opinion and I have the truth. But I just want to live as the Bible says to live. How about that as a concept? Is anybody with me on that? Do you want to live as the Bible says to live? I don't care about the latest and greatest bestseller. I don't care who's trending on TikTok. I don't care who's on TBN. I don't care. I'm done with it. I'm fed up. It's a bunch of foolishness. I want what the word says. So let's get into that. What does the Bible say about giving? So I want to run through a few things, and I want to make some biblical declarations that come straight from the Word. This is not the entirety of the subject of giving. I understand it. If there are those of you out there that feel like I left something out, you're absolutely right. I'm leaving out a lot, but I'm trying to cover everything in the time allotted to me, so this is the best I can do. First, first thing the Bible says, God cares how we use our money. Can we start there? It is of interest to God about our financial situation, the choices we make. First first bullet point. If he cares about every other detail of our life, why would he not care about that? Even the hairs of our head are numbered. He cares if we laugh or cry. He cares about our well-being, if we're clothed, if we're fed. He cares about... If I can hold my tongue and not cuss out the crazy driver that won't get out of the left lane so I can speed past him. He cares about taming the tongue. He cares about sexual purity. Why, would, why in the world would he not be concerned about our financial well-being? It makes no sense to me. Why are people so afraid to hear about this topic? I believe it has handicapped the church in many regards. Because people have shied away. As I said, there's been so much abuse and just, like, bad stuff. There's bad connotations built up that a, a lot of people, unfortunately, are afraid to even look at this subject because of the past experiences they've been burned with. Number, number two, Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic. Did you know that? Look up his parables. Jesus really didn't say that many words. If you, if you add up all the red-letter words of your Bible... He really didn't say that much. Maybe we should pay attention to what he did. Jesus talks about money more than any other subject. Next one. We are called, hopefully, I can get at least like a a Baptist nod if I can't get a Pentecostal amen out of this. We are called to be good stewards. What does it mean to be a steward? I looked that word up in the Greek and you know what it means? It means a steward, (laughs) it means to be a manager. A caretaker. We have been entrusted with something. If you have a ministry, it's not your ministry, it's God's ministry. He has just allowed you to manage it for a while. If you have children, yes, they're your children, but ultimately they're God's children. We will be accountable for how we steward the life, the gift of life that God has blessed us with, we will be accountable for how we manage our children's lives, how we steward them. Are we raising them in the house of God? Are we shielding them from the demonic madness that has always been in the world, but now it's just like blatant in your face. It's out there to a different degree. I firmly believe that. So why would we not also be good stewards with God's money? With his finances, his resources? Why would we not be good managers? Next one. You know, God wants us to be blessed. People will often, you know, they'll try to trap me, you know, trip me up, or others like me to get on this subject and say, Does God want us to be rich? I look them dead in the eye and I say, no, God wants you to be poor. Does anybody believe that? Can you find that anywhere in the word of God? And if they actually do say yes, then you know what I do? I say, okay, let's pray. I take them by the hand and I say, God, please give this person poverty that they so desperately desire to seek your will. Please let poverty come upon them swiftly and completely. Take away their car, take away their insurance, take away their house, take away their cable, their telephone, t- telephone, cell phone. Take away their 401k, their pension. Take away everything they own, so they can truly seek you only, because it, poverty is your will. They don't like that prayer very much. Let's think. Let's use our heads. Does God want us to walk around miserable as a as an advertisement? For misery? Hey, come come join my God club. You can be just as miserable as I am. No, that's not God's will. What he wants above anything is contentment, is holiness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But God is not afraid of you having money. It's, it's just as quiet as I thought it would be. I can't keep asking you all to say amen. I knew what I was getting myself into. Let's go to this next one. Second thing, hopefully I can, I can talk to you about this one. How we relate to money reveals the condition of our heart. I firmly believe that. I have some scripture to back me up, some scriptural principles. Don't lay up for, this is Jesus speaking, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Let me just pause right there. A lot of times we skip over that because we don't really understand what that means. That's a first century Jewish idiom. It's meaning, it's talking about generosity is the the short version. To, be, to have your eye dim, to have the light of your eye dim means you're kind of stingy, kind of greedy. So that's what Jesus is referencing here. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot have God and money. Who was it? Somebody say it again. You cannot serve God and money. There's been a lot of teaching throughout all the centuries that you can't have money and have God. That is unbiblical teaching. I don't care if you, I mean, do what you want. Live your life how you want. I told you, I'm very transparent up here. What you see is what you get. I'm interested in what the word of God says. You can't serve God and serve money. It's impossible. You can have both, but you can't serve both. All right, next one. This is Jesus speaking again. How many of you know about the rich young ruler that came to him? And asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Man, I could get in some trouble there. Uh, Never let any other religious tradition tell you that Jesus did not claim to be God. This is one of his claims. Uh, You know the commandments. He's, He's continuing talking to the rich young ruler. Do not commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And, and the man said to Jesus, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, though. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the man heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Now, is, is Jesus making a blanket commandment to all of us that we're all supposed to go out immediately and liquidate all our assets and sell everything and just give it all away? No. What was the point of this? What was Jesus really doing? He was getting to the heart of the matter, which is the heart. As with everything in our walk with God, it's about the heart. I can do the right thing for the wrong reason and still be wrong. He was trying to get to him, you know, it's great that you live a life of righteousness. Righteousness is simply doing that which is right. It's great that you follow the word, that you know the word, that you live the word. But where's your heart? These people honor me with their lips, Jesus said in another place, but their hearts are far from me. That's the point of this parable. It's not telling us that we all have to go live in a monastery and, and you know, just be poor. You know, it's not what it's saying. This next slide, this next quote is kind of intense if you're not ready for it. You ready? The fact that Jesus did not command all of his followers to sell all their possession gives comfort only to the kind of people to whom he would issue that command. That's harsh, isn't it? Oh, man. I I cringe when when I read that one. If we get comfort from hearing me stand up here and say that God doesn't want all of us to sell everything we have, Then maybe Jesus is the one that maybe we're the ones that Jesus would be telling that commandment to. Maybe money's got a hold of us instead of us having a hold of it. Let's put this next slide up. See, I knew y'all are gonna need a cheerful break (laughs) after that one, so I'll put up the happy slide again. Okay, can we keep going? Third, third assertion. God desires generosity. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Let's read this first verse. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Put up or shut up. (laughs) That's the the SAV. That's the Sean Alexander version. If words and actions don't agree, what do you believe? Always believe the actions our actions reveal what we truly believe in our heart. Let's not let's not talk about it, let's be about it. Does anybody say that phrase anymore? I told you I'm old. All right, next one. If among you one of your this is this is from Torah, this is in Deuteronomy, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. You shall give to him, somebody say that word, freely. And your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. See, it's always been about the heart. Old Testament, New Testament, cover to cover, it's just one Bible. It's just one word. It's just one God. It's all about the heart. And your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Okay, great. Let's go to the next one. Give to him who asks of you. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Next verse. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. It, if anybody does have their hope in riches, I feel sorry for you after the last couple of years, and I don't, I don't think we've hit bottom yet. Has anybody been watching their uh, portfolio, if we're blessed to have one? we got to love our, our leaders' decisions. Things, things can get worse. I hope, your, I hope your hope isn't in riches or in your wealth. But on God, don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God. God is our provider. He is our source. He owns, a th- he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share. All right. So, I don't know in my notes if I had it planned to to do this little rabbit trail right here or elsewhere, but I'll pick here. Now you say, "Okay, it says ask for the rich." What does it mean to be rich? We okay, yeah, wealthy. What how much does it take to be rich? See, here's here's one of the problems that I personally see in the American church. And I love church, and I love America, and I love American church. I love everybody. Praise God. But our definition of rich is very different than the definition when I travel over to India and Nepal. Our standard of living is so incredibly high, yet we are focused On Like we're in the top 1%, all of us in this room, of all humans who have ever lived on the face of this earth. But we focus on the 1% of the 1% of the 1% and say, oh, they're the rich ones. Without even bothering to look at how much God has blessed this nation. Is this nation perfect? No, it never has been. It's made by men. Nothing made by men will ever be perfect. But find me a better place. Find me a freer, richer, more prosperous nation. Across the board. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that talk about the rich in an unrealistic sense. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to get on politics. Again, I want, to, I want to talk Bible. People say they're greedy for wanting to pay less taxes. That's an argument. I understand that argument. How is it not greed if I want them to pay more taxes so that I can have it? It's greed for them to want to keep their money, but it's not greed for me to want to take their money. Make that one make sense. I better get on. Money is bad enough. I can't get involved in politics too. But do you understand what I'm saying? We are so incredibly rich in this country and we don't even realize it. The richest person even 100 years ago The richest person in the world does not have the quality of life, the standard of living that some of the poorest among us have in this country now. Modern medicine was not a thing. Technology, we have more information at our fingertips than they could have hoped to acquire in a lifetime just a century ago. Indoor plumbing wasn't even universal 100 years ago. And we take all these things for granted and say, oh, poor me. I don't have anything. God has blessed us. I do not take that for granted. And I pray, I sincerely pray that you do not either. Next verse, please. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. I've been young, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Remember, we're, we're talking about God desires generosity. Next verse. Oh, that's all the verses on that. There's more if you want to look it up. So now let's talk about greed. I'll go, I'll go quick. I know I'm beating this up today. Let's get out of here. God hates greed. Do we agree with that? Yes. Next slide, please. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Now, surely... This crowd is advanced enough to know that the popular misconception that money is the root of all evil is not Bible. Somebody say amen if you believe that. It's the love of money. It's the heart condition. You can have it, but does it have you? Is that an okay standard? Next verse. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The greedy is in that list. There's some really hot-button political topics in that passage, but I don't hear us talking about greed that much. Next slide. For no one recognized this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God kingdom of Christ and of God what do i have next for the wicked boasts of the desires of a soul and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the lord i could go on and on and on again i'm cherry picking this is an extensive topic i'm trying to condense down to a very short while so that we can all go out and have lunch yeah and then go worship at the idol of football. Honestly. <laughs> Next slide, please. Uh, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. You can read this, James 5, 1 through 5. It's just saying like, hey, don't be bad to poor people. If, you have, if you're blessed, don't be bad to poor people. God's going to judge us if we are. God hates greed is the point. You're, and if you, if you want these notes after I'm done, feel free to come and talk to me. Uh, I'll send them to you. Go ahead, please. Yeah, time for a cheer-up break. This time, instead of my happy graphics, we have some cute puppies. Uh, does that make us happy? How about this next one? Oh, there's a happy guy. He likes to give, I can tell. He's a cheerful giver. All right, what about this next one? Oh, they're both on their way to the offering plate. They both have offerings of lots of tritos So... <laughs> Are y'all staying with me? Are we cheerful givers? Are we cheerful today? Is it okay to teach the word of God even if it's uncomfortable? All right, let's get back into it. All right, we're on to the fun stuff. Giving brings blessing. I believe that. Do you believe that? I have lived that my entire life. I I can rattle off story after story after story of God's miraculous intervention and miraculous provision. I'm tempted to go down that trail of telling stories, but I I can't. Giving brings blessing. Period. As the kids say. All right, next slide, please. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, of all your increase. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord. And can I just say, this goes back to the very beginning, does God care about our financial situation? Does he care if we're stewards? Does he care if we live or die, if we're, if we're taken care of? That says honor the Lord, not just check off a box and, you know, put your $5 in the plate or whatever it is. It's not just give to say you gave. It's honor the Lord with your wealth. What has God given you? Are we honoring him with the choices we make in our money? Are we being good stewards of kingdom resources? I have made, I I don't want to tell you half the mistakes I've made. I cringe about a lot of things. I'm sure we all have something like that. But especially when it comes to this subject, the, the choices in my younger years that I have made for how to spend money. Frivolous, unwise, stupid, ungodly. Unrighteous. Money that I knew very well that God sent my way. Oh, I asked forgiveness. I repented of that. With God's help, I'll never make that mistake again. It's his money. It's his okay, old school preacher time. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's his money. It's his. He has entrusted us with it. What are we doing? What are we doing with it? Next verse, please. And, you know, I didn't even include the parable of the talents. Uh, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Next slide, please. Now, I say this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows generously will also reap generously. That seems pretty simple to me. Is, is God's word reliable or is it not? Does it matter if people have abused his word? Does it make it any less true just because some have distorted it for their own personal gain? I'm interested in the truth of the word of God. Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. I've, I'm preaching this because I've lived it I don't get up here and preach stuff I haven't lived you don't hear me talking about gluttony do you (laughs) you don't see me preaching about the sins of uh, of the flesh and I preach above my head in, in some ways but if I haven't at least gotten some kind of revelation if I haven't gotten some kind of life experience I'm telling you this stuff works it's the truth of the word of God next slide please Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. There we get that that eye concept again. If you ever wondered what that what that meaning that Jesus said meant, this is what it's talking about. Whoever has a bountiful eye, you're generous, you're giving, you're not stingy. Uh, And here's another translation, so it's easy for us to understand. A generous person will be blessed. That's a very simple proclamation. That's a very declarative statement. A generous person will be blessed. Next slide. One gives freely yet grows all the richer isn't that something another withholds what he should give and only suffers one I am so happy to be part of a church that prioritizes giving to God's kingdom churches ebb and flow people come people go sometimes we're up sometimes we're down you know money I mean it's money life it happens And a lot of times, unfortunately, when money is tight, churches cut their budget to missions. In my opinion, that is the exact wrong thing to do. When you need God's blessing, that's the time to give, to give to his work, to give to his kingdom. And I am so grateful for the leadership of this church that they decided to increase the missions giving and missions budget. Say amen. Say hallelujah. Say, I mean, say something. That's a good thing. To spread the work of the kingdom of God around the world, even when it would be easy to say, no, we need to cut this. No. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. You can't outgive God. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Next slide, please. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. God's not going to owe a single person a single thing. He's going to repay us to our face, the Bible says. Those of us who don't love him very much, don't want to be in his presence very much, much less for all eternity, he's going to repay us with that. You don't want to be around me? That's cool. Go have an eternity where I'm not around. Depart from me but he's also not going to be indebted to anything that was given in his name. God will reward us in this life or in the life to come, usually both. Uh, Next slide, please. Whoever receives you receives me. This is Jesus speaking. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. There is reward in giving. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Next slide, please. In all things I have shown you, this is Paul speaking, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There is more blessing our mind can't fathom that. It can't comprehend it because we operate so much in the supernatural and in the principles of humanity, of the principles of this world, of this kingdom, of this present age. We can't fathom that. Of course, it's more blessed to receive a million dollars. Man, who wouldn't want a million dollars? Who wouldn't want 10 million? Who wouldn't want 10,000? Who wouldn't want 1,000? It, of course, that's, that's a blessing to receive that. But do you realize how much of a blessing it would be to give a million dollars? Kingdom principles don't operate by the standards of men. The kingdom of God operates by a different set of laws. It has a different constitution, it has a different governor. Next slide, please. Giving should be planned. Let's let's see what my bullet points here. Okay, so I have this as an example. Uh, this is when Paul is writing to the church at at Corinth telling them, now concerning the collection for the saints, he was collecting and offering uh, donations for the church in Jerusalem that was really struggling because of the persecution going on there. He said, now collect, uh, concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside, put something aside and store it up. Now, a lot of people see this as uh, their weekly church uh, church service, like we know it. He's saying to take up an offering every Sunday. That's fine. That, I personally, based on my studies, I disagree. It's not a hill I'm going to die on. You're probably right. I'm probably wrong. I think what he's saying here is to save it up yourself, and then he's going to collect it all. Either way, the point is plan ahead. To set it aside, each of you put something aside and store it up that as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. He's saying have it ready. Plan in advance. You know I'm going to be coming your way, so have the money ready. Now, let's look at some bullet points that I have on this one. This is a big principle in our modern church. I think we really have to stop being so feeling led all the time. We only do stuff if we feel like it in church and we call it God. Hey, brother, I need some help running the kids department. Can you help? Oh, I just don't feel led to do that. I'm sorry. Hey, sister, we, we really need some help uh, putting on this, this event in a couple weeks. You know, I'm sorry, we had people back out. We really need some I'm sorry, I just don't feel like that's my calling. We only worship when they strike the right chord, when they play the song that we like from 50,000 years ago or the one that we heard five minutes ago walking in and it's like really cool. We only, we only worship when we feel like it. We only give when we feel like it. We only pray. We only work when we feel like it. Man, we've got to stop being so feeling led. Feelings are our worst enemy. Your emotions will lie to you. We've got to stop being led by our feelings and become led by the word of God. I don't do it because I feel like it. I do it because the Bible tells me to. That is so applicable in so many areas of my life. I still have a long way to go, but I've come a long way. Y'all should have seen me back in the day. Next bullet point. Our giving should be planned well in advance. We shouldn't wake up Sunday morning and if we have a few extra dollars in our pocket, decide to do it. No. A lot of people will have auto draft. They'll have auto renew, whatever. We should make it a part. Next bullet point. It should be a part of our life. It should be a way of life. Do I need a picture of puppies again? (laughs) Once you wait to get in the moment, that's like telling a young man, you know, or a young woman for that matter, telling young people that God will give you the strength. When When you're alone together in the car, you know, when you're tempted to do the wrong thing, God will give you strength and he'll be there. No, flee from temptation. Resist the devil, but run from temptation. Don't put yourself in that situation. Plan ahead. Don't be alone. Seems pretty simple to me. We should plan to give. Don't wait until you get there Sunday morning after you spend all your money, hopefully not at the club, Saturday night. But do you understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to be as light as I can with this, but it's the truth of the word of God. Next bullet point. All right, so the biblical plan of giving includes tithes, offerings, and alms. I'm going to go through this real quick, and then we'll be done. Next slide, please. Tithes in the Bible is the first fruits of all of our increase. Easy way of thinking about it is 10%. There were multiple tithes, and I know for you Bible scholars it gets more complicated than that, but that's the easiest way to describe it in a short amount of time. Tithe, first fruits, 10%. Go ahead, please. In the Old Testament, it was used as a way to fund the tabernacle slash temple sacrificial system. The Levitical priesthood, they got their living based on the tithe. Next bullet point. But... And here's a big one. A lot of people stop right there and say, well, it's wiped out. We don't have to do that anymore. Okay, that's whatever. That's cool. I don't benefit from whether you give or not. I'm not on staff. I don't get paid. Whatever. Do what you want. It's between you and God. The principle of tithing predates the giving of Torah. It was enshrined in law for how they were to govern the land of Israel. But the principle is a larger issue. And that goes all the way back to Abraham. Melchizedek, the king of righteousness. Does anybody know about him? You should look him up. What is it, Genesis probably 18, 19, somewhere in there? Sorry for not remembering. But Abraham was the one that instituted the tithe, giving 10% of his wealth, of his increase. It's a spiritual principle. And I feel sorry for those who are too turned off to be able to really take hold of what I'm saying. Next slide. I mean, next. yeah. Again. It all belongs to God. All he's asking is for 10%. What if he asked for 90% and said, let's really test your faith? What if he asked for 90% instead of just 10? Something to think about. Next. Uh, and this, I think this principle is important. We give our tithes to the local storehouse. I think that's a principle that's clear throughout the word. You're free to disagree. I'm telling you what I see in the Bible. Where are you getting fed? There's been so many people that come to church. They benefit from the, from the women's ministry. They go to this Bible study. They send their kid to the youth group. But then they see some person on TV that talks about a $58 seed for the 58 blessings in Isaiah 58 or whatever, you know. And so, oh, that's where I'm supposed to give my tithes and offerings to. No, that's not biblical. I hope I have this in the right place. Next slide. Yes. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Again, I told you from the outset, Pastor Chad has no idea what I'm talking about today. He's in church, so he's not even watching the live stream. He's going to have to see this on replay. Hi, Pastor Chad. (laughs) He didn't put me up to this. He's not telling me to say this. The pastor of this church is not asking for anything. This is me. As a member of this church, who's been in this thing a while, they deserve what they get. They put their heart and soul into this job. They work longer hours than you would even think about considering to possibly, maybe someday want to. Maybe I, uh, maybe do. This is a this is a nonstop job. You get that call at three a.m. Somebody's in the hospital. You don't bother, oh, well, I'm off the clock. I didn't punch in. No. You're there at the hospital grieving with the family that just lost their child. You're there celebrating with the new birth that just came into the world. They are, they are yes, I understand. I have seen abuse. I've been in this thing a long time. There are some who use this. They're going to be accountable is all I'll say. But it does not change the truth of God's word. There is blessing associated with giving, and we need to give to those who feed us spiritually. That is a sound biblical principle. Next slide. Then there's offerings. We got tithes and offerings. This is voluntary giving above and beyond the 10%. Next slide. Rabbinical writings, if you're interested in it, suggest that anything, they considered anything less than an additional 5% to be kind of stingy or greedy. Whatever, just for your information. Next bullet point. And this, offerings are like giving to missionaries, special needs and programs in the church, keeping the lights on. You know, just, that's offerings. It's not our tithe. Then we have, last category, is alms. This is what a lot of us consider like giving, giving to the poor, the needy. They're all three needed. God, God wants generosity in all three areas, but they're all separate categories. I just think it's important to make that distinction. Next bullet point. Our first priority is to our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we're not taking care of those among us, and I know that this church has ministry outreaches to, to people in this church, our brothers and sisters in Christ should be our first priority. I used to feel really guilty when I would go through that checkout line and do you want to round up to a dollar? I'm like, oh, I'm a terrible person because I'm not giving. And then one day it just hit me, I haven't given a lot of money to causes that I actually know, to people that I know to be good stewards, to be men and women of integrity. I know where I'm putting my money when I drop it in return church or whatever church that I may be at if I'm part of it. I know where that money's going. It's good soil. It's good ground. When I give to whatever big corporate organization there is? I have no clue. My, my 27 cents, that's going to be going to like, it's not even a paper clip these days. I don't know what they're going to do with it. They're paying salaries. All that stuff is overhead. It doesn't get to the people that actually need it. That's my opinion. That's not Bible. But I'm just saying how I live. Our first priority is to our brothers and sisters in Christ. If you know there is somebody in this church that needs help, help them. It doesn't take a committee. It doesn't take getting up here on the stage and having special recognition. God sees. All right, next slide. So at the end of all this, why should I be, besides puppies, in a, in a nice graphic slide, why should I be cheerful about giving? Here's, here's the way I want to sum it up. First, foremost, it pleases God. God wants us to be generous. He is generous. God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Don't tell me you love somebody if you're not given to them. Love is not an emotion we feel. It's a decision we make. It's actions that we take. You demonstrate your love by what you do. If we love, we'll give. So we should be cheerful about giving because it pleases God. Number two, it's the antidote to greed and poverty. It really is. I, I firmly believe that. I believe that's the teaching of the word. Read through all, through all the Psalms and Proverbs. It's, it's cover to cover, really, that principle. If you, don't want to be, if you don't want to be greedy, give. That'll cure greed real quick. If you don't want to be poor, remember the one who scatters increases, but the one who withholds, even what he has gets taken away. Number three, it produces blessing and prosperity. I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Jesus is interested in our well-being, spirit, soul and body. I believe that is a core doctrine of the entire back of the entire Bible. God wants us blessed. Blessed to be a blessing. Number 4. It ensures eternal reward. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven you say okay Sean I hear you but I don't have enough to give I I feel you I understand my suggestion would be let's get let's get our budget in order let's track for a week every penny that goes out of your pocket whether physical or electronic every penny track it what are you spending your money on now I could be wrong I've been wrong before Kristen this is your time to say amen Maybe you are down to the penny and, you know, whatever. But more often than not, there's more wiggle room in our budget than what we really want to admit. Especially when we realize that many of the things we take for granted are luxuries, unheard of luxuries just 50 years ago, much less 100 or 200, much less 2,000. That's where I would suggest starting. I'm not trying to condemn anybody, I'm not trying to preach you into hell. That ain't ain't my thing. That's not my ministry. That's not my thing. My my whole purpose in life is to teach the truth of the Word of God. And this is biblical truth. What, What do I have next? Giving represents opportunity opportunity for reward in this world and in the world to come. So give cheerfully. That's why we should be cheerful when we give, not because we've been manipulated not because somebody's going to speak a curse over our finances if we don't give, not because we're going to manipulate God and use him as an ATM or win the lottery, none of that. It's an opportunity. God's given me so much. He's given me salvation, given me health, prosperity. I have clothes to wear. I have a place to live. I have good food to eat. (coughs) I'm glad y'all didn't choose that time to start saying amen. God's given me so much, material and immaterial things, physical and spiritual. Why would I withhold from him a single thing that he wants? I cheerfully give because I know I'm giving to God. This last one, it's the happy slide. One more time. Let's all be cheerful. Would you stand to your feet with me? Did this help anybody today? Do y'all like this better than speaking about sports idolatry? Let's be cheerful givers. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. Pray with me, church. Jesus, I worship you because, <clears throat> because you are good. You are the giver of life. You are the giver of wealth. You are the God who gives us power to get wealth. You have given us so much. You've given us salvation. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your word. You've given us breath in our lungs. You are a giver, God. Help me be a giver like you. Conform me into your image. Transform me. Give me a heart of generosity and not of greed. Let me not be stingy and greedy with the things that I have that I know come from you anyway. Let me look for opportunities to go out of my way to give to you and your kingdom. Give me the discipline in my finances to cut out the frivolous things that don't honor you. So that I can be free to lay up treasures in heaven. Lord, I thank you for what what you're doing in this church. I thank you for the word that is going forth from this pulpit every Sunday. I thank you for people of like precious faith who treasure your word, who treasure it up inside, who store it deep down inside themselves. I thank you for brothers and sisters who believe your word. God, I pray that you go with us from this place. Let this word sink down deep in our heart. Let it take root. Let it be watered. Let it be cultivated. Let it be nurtured by your spirit. Speak to us. Through our, through our dreams, speak to us through through your word, through our worship time, God. Speak to us. Be present with us. We love you with all of our heart, Jesus. Help us to show with our with our actions that we love you and not just our words. I worship you. Thank you, God. You're amazing. You are wonderful, Jesus. You are the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Does somebody feel like giving God a hand clap of praise in this place? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I worship you. Thank you, Lord. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? All right. I hope you all have a great week. I really do. And I hope that whoever you're going for, that you didn't bet on them. Because that's a whole different sermon. Go with God. Be blessed. We love you. We'll see you next week.